Hello and welcome to Your Magic. I'm your host, Michelle T. And in addition to being a woo podcast producer and a tarot person, I'm also a writer of books. And I have a brand new memoir out this month that I am very psyched about. It's called Knocking Myself Up, a memoir of my infertility. And it's about what happened when at age 40, I set out to get pregnant with no partner, no health insurance, but a very cool drag queen who agreed to give me her sperm. To celebrate the book, we've whipped up a special series of interviews with folks who have something to say about reproduction because they're parents or abortion rights activists or my sperm donor. Today, I'm talking to writer and comic Ellie Kremendahl, who also happens to be an old friend from back when we both lived in San Francisco. We're going to talk about strict Jews, pushy and opinionated grandmothers, and the secret morbidity of mothers, and more. And also, if you want to help support making this podcast, check out patreon.com backslash this is your magic, where you can get all sorts of perks, a monthly tarot reading based on your zodiac and the phases of the moon, tarot workshops where we dive deep into a single card, that sort of thing. We make this podcast as a real labor of love, and we appreciate all of you for supporting us. If you really want to wear your heart on your sleeve or on your baseball cap, check out our super cool elemental t-shirts and our fashion forward dad style baseball hats at our shop at thisisyourmagic.com backslash shop. Okay, now let's get on with the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, I sort of have a confession to make. I don't know who I think I'm confessing to. I mean, you are listeners, right? But you probably don't really give much of a crap. But I'm going to say it. At the end of the night, almost every night, I sneak out on my back porch and I have a cigarette. The roots of this problem, if it is in fact a problem, began over 50 years ago when I was at home in my own mother's uterus. As she gratefully smoked all six of the cigarettes, her obstetrician allowed her to smoke each day. This was 1970. If you think she was probably allowed to smoke in the hospital as she gave birth to me, you're probably not wrong. She definitely brought me back to a New England home in the heart of winter, the windows of our old house covered with plastic wrap to keep the drafts in and to keep the atmosphere of extreme secondhand smoke exhaled not only by my mom, but by my dad, my grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, and neighbors in. In 1970, in lower working class Chelsea, Massachusetts, everyone smoked. And as a newborn, I exited the womb with a nicotine dependence that was to be nurtured for the next two decades by the smoke-saturated air of my home. I left at 21, but by then I was, of course, a smoker. My friend, the writer and amazing ceramicist Sarah Seinberg, once wrote that smokers never quit, they just take longer breaks between cigarettes. I have found that to be true. I've gone large chunks of time without smoking, usually due to having a romance with a non-smoker and not wanting to be disgusting and repulsive to them. These were moments when my codependent instincts were perhaps doing me a favor. But even during those chaste times, I would have a pack of emergency cigarettes stuffed in my underwear drawer to smoke during a fight or some other stressful situation. My current one cigarette a night habit feels like a dialed down harm reduction response to the cigarette consumption of recent years. About four years ago, after learning my then spouse had cheated on me, you know I went directly to a smoke shop, purchased a pack of American spirits, yes, I know they are culturally appropriative, but they're also organic, 
and I snuck into an abandoned construction site to cry and chain smoke for a couple hours. The thing is, even though nicotine actually raises your heart rate and blood pressure, it truly feels calming, relaxing, like a bomb for your emotional wound. As a defecting coping skill, it works. As the rift in my marriage morphed into unexpected polyamory, cigarette smoking went amazingly well with the sex addiction levels of hookups I was having. My body flooded with dopamine from both the dating apps on my phone and the adventures they made available to me. In the throes of some very compulsive sensations, I couldn't not smoke. The inevitable third act to cheating and non-monogamy is, of course, divorce. And for the core of that situation, you could find me sitting in the alley around the corner, chain-smoking, crying, and texting for hours. I tried to rein it in as my ex moved out and I settled into my new life. But the truth was, and this is the grotesque truth of all smokers, I liked smoking. I enjoyed it. My body absolutely craved it, and the physical clutch and release of satisfying that was, is, 100% enjoyable. When I first started dating my now husband, I tamped it down a bit, but I was shamefully thrilled to learn that, an addict like myself, he is totally up for an after-sex cigarette or a smoke on the porch after the child is asleep. The child. This is where the guilt and shame come in. I'm not terribly averse to having a vice or two. As a sober addict, I know deeply that I'm actually supposed to be passed out drunk in a seedy motel somewhere. The fact that I'm not absolutely makes me want to celebrate with a cigarette. I mean, even Gwyneth Paltrow will have a single cigarette at the end of a day. And I've heard from doctors, none that will go on record, of course, that such a habit does little more harm to you than breathing the air of Los Angeles. But as a mom, I feel a terrible pressure to keep myself alive forever. This is impossible, of course, but doing anything, anything that puts me at risk, also puts my child, who I love so deeply, at risk for a traumatic experience, losing me. Knowing this, I wonder at what it is that pulls me to the back porch each night. The tiny spark of excitement I feel throughout the day knowing that single cigarette awaits me. Maybe it's a rebellion against this extreme and somewhat new pressure to stay alive. Probably it's just simple addiction, right? And I know from my experience with my own alcohol and drug addiction how love and devotion don't cure that mysterious malady. Truthfully, the negative consequences of this vice, though I know them, feel very far away, the way bad things always do until they suddenly happen to you. Maybe the flirting with death and danger is part of the draw. Certainly the badness of it is alluring. At 51 years old and a mother, it can feel delightful to feel like I'm being a naughty teenager. But there's also something ritualistic about my nightly cigarette too. I love being outside in the dark with my husband, each of us filling the other in on the ups and downs of our days, holding a burning orange ember, releasing smoke up towards the moon. Now, I know tobacco has a spiritual place among First Nations people, and there are Afro-Caribbean and Asian spiritual traditions that involve cigars and cigarettes, but those are not my traditions, and I'm not even going to pretend that there is anything mystical about what I'm doing on the back porch each night. There's a fine line between ritual and habit. Ritual, I think, is elevated. Habit is thoughtless, compulsive. Yet the pocket of introspective alone time I snag when I have a cigarette alone, or the moment of connection I share with my husband, these things are real. Of course, we can and do find other ways for connection and solitude. I'm very aware that I'm dressing up a grody habit that funds the worst corporations as some type of self-care, and it's not. And yet, this strange and common habit has always been with me in some form since infancy. There is a type of peace in accepting it as one vice that's likely to linger. I know I will always know the terrible pleasure of a disgusting little cigarette. There will inevitably come a time where I take another long break between smoking, but until I am so moved, you can find me indulging my mortality under the night sky. Here's Ellie Kremendahl.
Kelly, thanks for being on Your Magic. It is so great to see you. The same. I'm so happy to talk to you. And it's so it's so hard to stay in touch with people. So it's podcasts are amazing in that way for making We it have happen. to make podcasts to stay in touch with each other. <laughs> and then broadcast our true. friendships through the airwaves. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like I've finished a handful of podcasts where it ends and I feel really good and I'm like, "Oh, I think what that was that felt so good was just like human interaction with someone I care about, which actually doesn't have to happen on a podcast exclusively." <laughs> Well, this is a very woo show, and we're doing a special edition because I have my new book coming out about trying to get pregnant, where I'm talking about woo things with people who are either, you know, parents or helped me personally get pregnant or are big abortion activists. So here you are. And I just want to start off by asking, uh, are you like a witch? You seem like a witchy person. I feel like ultra casual witch. Like I've done a few rituals that were really meaningful. I used to do a lot of rituals. Now it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of become less, but that might just be because of parenting. You know, yeah, there's like less of everything. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. squeeze in a ritual. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. What was your, did you have like, what was your spiritual practice growing up? Did, were you raised with anything? Yeah, I was raised in sort of like a classic reform Jewish, like Long Island Jew family. So, you know, which was mostly, I mean, my parents and my grandparents, everyone was kind of like into God. I was always more into the cultural tradition pieces of it. Like I enjoy the Jewish holiday celebrations. But um, no, it's so weird because Judaism is a lot about like intellectual engaging with the idea of whatever your spirituality is. But there was not a lot of that in my family. It was very like, God is this and don't question why you're a Jew and this is what you're meant to believe. So very non-Jewish, actually, in that way. <laughs> a very non-Jewish vibe in your Jewish yeah. education, yeah. in your family. My kid is Jewish. No, oh. I am not, because the egg and sperm that created him were both Jewish. So he's really, he's fully Jewish. Wow. So his, his his other parent, who is the actual Jewish person, just has like so much like baggage about from like family and stuff around like their Judaism. And me as a total, you know, Catholic, witch, Buddhist, whatever the fuck I am. I'm just like, it's beautiful. You're so lucky. Like, we've got to teach you these traditions. So like, I try to observe the holidays if they fall on days that I have him because we co-parent. And we just were, we just observed Shavuot. Oh, like Shavuot? Shavuot. It sounds like it's supposed to sound. Okay. So I've been saying yeah. it. I'm teaching my child to but say it wrong. See, this, my poor kid is being taught like Judaism by like, a total shiksa. An ex-Catholic witch. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay, like pronouncing holidays incorrectly. If it makes you feel better, I, I was able to recognize, like pull that name out of the ether, but I tell I do not know what Shavuot is. I think maybe it has to do with trees uh, or something else. Yeah, wait, was that the tree holiday? I know I'm confused. No, that was Tubashet. Oh, Tubashevit right. was the tree holiday, which we also celebrated by walking around and greeting the new trees that the city just put in on our block. 
and making Kugel. So I'm really getting buy-in from my kid because I make Kugel for everything. And I, you know, who doesn't want to eat dessert for dinner? It's so good. Judaism seems like one thing I really like is that it seems like it's very accommodating of like you can kind of pair it with other traditions and it doesn't that's not a problem. There's no conflict. Like I know Jewish witches. I know Jewish Mm -hmm. Buddhists. And it's like, I guess I've also met like Christian witches, but they seem bizarre to me, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. so this, yeah. Can you speak to that at all? Like what, what is it about the tradition that is so um, allowing for, you know, a party, a spiritual party? That's so interesting. I mean, I think it probably depends on like, the denomination like I don't know that that would be true in like conservative or orthodox or Hasidic Jews but in like reform and even more sort of radical sex it's so I think it's just like the vibe is very like take what you want and there's lots of guitars and there's lots of sort of it's a little bit like naturalistic and there's there can be a hippie-ishness. I was going to say, I, I feel like you're aiming towards hippie right now. Just, you know, is that what we're talking yeah. about? Okay. I mean, I love a little that. bit. Like, there, and, you know, there's a lot of, like, cantors, like, they sing the songs, you know, with, like, long, flowing gray hair and, like, scarves, you know? Like, that's sort of the aesthetic. Yeah. Um, so it's I just, very elder I, lesbian. There's a lot of, like, yes. crossover with, like, elder lesbian aesthetic. Very much. Classic. Very much. Yeah. And I think probably the whole sort of Jewish notion of sort of like asking a lot of questions and gathering information. So that part, it makes sense to me that there would be an openness to like, why don't you form your own sort of like hodgepodge spiritual identity or experience? I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I do too. I feel like I've just like been waiting for permission to like totally cement my hodgepodge for so long, you know, but it does feel like you're, it can feel like you're just like dabbling, you know, like you got to commit to a path, you know. What makes you want to cement it? Just to feel like I'm not a poser, you know, Mm. feel like I'm like legit hardcore on on like a particular (laughs) path and not just like twinkle toeing over to this path and then skipping over to that path and then, you know, Mm -hmm. cartwheeling over onto another path. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a Gemini with ADHD. So that's sort of like always what I'm going to do. See, it's legit. It's a, to- it's totally valid. God, I love a Gemini. Me too, as all <laughs> Geminis do. One of my daughters is a Gemini. Oh, really? I was so excited when I realized that was going to happen. And my, my older daughter is a Taurus. Mm-hmm. And she is like so fascinating to me with her like Taurus ways. Oh my God. Tell me about it. What do you, what do you notice that you, that really sticks out? Well, she, she's just so into home and comfort and stability, which is so interesting. Cause like my partner and I are both like artists. We live in more than one place. We're like always uprooting her. And, you know, she just has a lot of strong feelings about that. Like she's, she's always sort of expressing, she's like, I've been thinking and I think we should just live in one place, you know? And she'll be like, I want to watch Paw Patrol, but I want to do it with like the velvet blanket and my cup of pears and like this drink in that cup and then everything will be okay, you know? Yes. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. 
I love that. What is your Gemini daughter like? Have you learned more about yourself as a Gemini by observing her? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, she she's only 13 months old. Congratulations. Thank you so much. She I mean, I feel like I'm still just learning about her all the time. She's extremely social. Like she's like really excited to engage and is really quick to laugh and um, play. Whereas my Goldie, my Taurus daughter, like you really had to work to get her to be interested in what you were doing. But Birdie is just like, I'm here. Like I'm here for the party. Whatever the party is, I'm interested. (laughs) Your daughters are named Goldie and Birdie. I know. Isn't That's that, so fun. Yes. Is it fun or is yes. it like disgusting? No, I love it so much. No, it's it's so great. It's not disgusting at all. It's so it's perfect. It's oh, perfect. thank you. I get I get your apprehension. I get I get I get the like the self analysis you're doing around it. But I just have always loved like a fun name. You know what I mean? Like I mean, me too. The names that I had for my kid, like I was just like I really wanted to name him Linus. I was oh, really that's into Linus. So cute. I thought it would be so cute, right? I love it. And just it. like, I don't know, Bowie. I mean, it's too much. Thank God I didn't name him Bowie, but there was a moment <laughs> and like, you know, my, and then if I thought I was having a girl, I was like Jaja for sure, if for a girl, you know. Mm-hmm. My mother was like, what about Michael? <laughs> I'm like, are you crazy? It's 20, you know, whatever it is. It's 2014 <laughs> and I live in San Francisco. There's no more Michaels. Michael, no more Michaels. Michael, give me a break. Why are all moms of that generation the same? My mom was the same way. She was like, I have a good idea. How about Rebecca? You know, (laughs) like that's a beautiful Jewish day. Like my mother literally sent me three um, lined pages, handwritten, both sides, in cursive penmanship of names. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She went so hard on it. Not a single fucking name was a contender. Not a one of them. They were all like for her her wacky names, she gets really she's like really into how she's Irish. So she does she's giving me like Siobhan's and like all of these like, you know, k Celtic k sounds, you know, but they just I'm like, I'm not gonna name my kid like Carousel or I don't know, whatever, Calliope or yeah. Was that what was your experience of receiving that? I thought it was funny. But like, as my sister, who has two children, would say to her repeatedly, you got to name your kids. You named your kids already. She's going to be very, very opinionated. But yeah, she lives here now. And she's very concerned that my sister's going to cut all her hair off. My sister's going to get like a pixie cut. Mother's like, oh, I don't know. You're just making a sound, you know, like. Oh, yeah. I understand. Here's your crown and glory. (laughs) Here's your crown and glory. Your mother must be so excited that you've made her a grandmother. She is so happy. She's, you know, she'll just get misty out of nowhere and be like, I can't even tell you. You've made my life a dream. This is my dream come true. And it's like, you know, the alternative to that, of course, is that I was crushing her dreams before I had the kids, (laughs) you know? Right. Oh my God. That is so funny. <laughs> it's just so real. And yeah, it's, it's so, it's moms are just, I don't know. I have a, I'm like, like stuff like the names too. It's like my mom had a lot of opinions. I'm like, is this like a boomer thing? Like thinking you have 
the right to be like, I get a say in this? Like, is that going to happen to us like later? Like, I, is it inevitable? Is it just generational? It's so bizarre. It is really bizarre. Yeah. What sign is your mom? Is it astrological? So my mom is a cancer. Okay. My mom's a Scorpio. Yeah. I mean, it is. I don't know. I do see myself becoming a little like my mom sometimes. And it's always disturbing, especially when it's like she lives here. So it's like right in my face. And then I get really nervous that like my husband will see it. I'm like, he's going to see that I'm like my mother because she's right there and I'm right here. And look at us both like doing the same weird thing. <laughs> you know? Oh my God, I have to know what you're noticing. Well, like, okay, my mother has this really weird tick where she will like, she'll, she, she like makes life into jingles and she'll sing little jingles all the time. Or like somebody will say something and then she'll just like echo it in a song for no reason. Plus, we'll actually sing real jingles. Or like mm. if you just say a sentence and it it's like, you know, you're like, oh, uh, I don't know. That was kind of an old time thing. And then she'll start singing old time rock and roll. Like it's, you know, it's just there's just things like that that yeah. happen, you know. And I think I recognize that I did that the other day. Like I just was like, you know, kind of like, you know, flittering around the house, cleaning up. And my kid was there here and, you know, he said something and then I kind of repeated it in a little sing song. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. I bet you my husband just clocked that because he is so observant. He's at a Capricorn moon and he's a Taurus. He sees everything. He was kind enough not to mention it to me. But I think we can both expect like more of that to happen. Yeah, I think that part's inevitable. That's a really like those are benign, though. That's not like the worst to inherit. From it's your mom. true. It's true. No, it's true. Yeah, no, it's it's only weird little, t- it's like weird little ticks. I just know, my mom was here last week for like a bunch of days in a row. And I noticed one really small, but weird little tick that now I cannot stop observing myself doing, which is that it's just walking through the house alone. And when I like complete an action, like close the refrigerator door or like put something down on a desk, just going... Okay. And like <laughs> and I saw my mom do it a million times and I and then I when I started doing it I was like, "Oh my god, I do this constantly." Oh my so god, that's so funny. Yes. <laughs> okay. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to start doing it. <laughs> we'll all start doing what your mom is doing. Yeah. That's like my um my friend my friend Ginger, her mom goes like, well, like when there's just like a pause or something, she'll be like, well, and so now, <laughs> now Ginger and her wife do it. And then I went to visit them, my friends, Ginger and Sarah, and then they were doing it. And now me and TJ are always like, well, you know, so That's we just have one. to share our mother ticks with our friends. And then they just become this other whole other thing, maybe. Yeah. My mother also does this thing where she like, will make sure she makes eye contact with you and smile whenever she sees you in the house. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's like a very people-pleasing Al-Anon sort of like, everything's fine, I'm happy, don't worry, I'm, pl- I'm pleasant. And I do the same thing. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And so that's really upsetting. Yeah. And I try not to. Yeah. And it it makes me feel like I've just iced someone. If I've like oh. walked by them in the living room and I didn't do that, I'm like, are they going to think I hate them now? Like they're going to think I'm mad at them. Oh my god, I, didn't, I totally you, get that. What is it? It's so oh, I didn't I did another thing my mom does the other day where my whole life when I was like an angsty teen, my mom would be like, What's wrong? And I would be like, Nothing. And she would always go, Something. 
And like, I did that to my daughter the other day that I was like, never again, like that one I can't take on. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about how did you decide to have kids? Is it something that you always knew you wanted or did you just kind of like hold your nose and jump in the deep end or like what, what happened? I think I always knew that I wanted them in a way that it wasn't like that the picture of that, like I just like yearn and fantasize, but I just, when I imagined my future, they were there. So then I got to a certain point where I was like, well, I guess I need to make, have them then, like if they're going to be there. Um, right. So it felt very casual. And like my husband, like, you know, we're both sober alcoholics. We're both pretty, we like to do big life shattering things together without a lot of conversation so it was kind of like, we should do it. Um, okay, let's do it. And then we just did, you know? <laughs> yes. I love that. Cool. So you guys just jumped in. Can I ask you like all kinds of invasive questions about oh, your I process? Yeah. Oh, cool. So like, where did you get your sperm? What did you do? How did you, did you do? Like, did you go into a fertility clinic? Did you mm-hmm. do it at home? So with it? Goldie, my four-year-old, the um, I mean, part of what got us to get going was that my my grandma died and like left me some money and we were like oh we can use the money to have a baby and like baby we, money yeah and if we don't use it for that we'll probably just like spend it on our bills or whatever so we should just do yeah. it and so so we went to a fertility clinic we got our sperm from California cryobank Cryobank. Yep. Which one yep. is the word? I, it's, I can never cry, it's cryobank, right? Cryobank. Cryobank. Yeah. Yeah. We really liked the donor we picked. What was it? What was the What was the thing that grabbed you about your donor? Oh my god! So, you know, you can pay for like different levels of access to them. So, you know, with my grandma's money in hand, we were like, let's get the most access. And so you got there was a section that was like interests and um it was called express yourself so people could give like a poem or a story or a painting or like something that they had done like how potentially terrifying like what a potential deal breaker right well but thank god because some of them were like this is my mom's um chicken enchilada recipe like and we were like that's his express yourself like no (laughs) (laughs) but our donor wrote this like hauntingly beautiful story that was like really existential and upsetting and <laughs> so well written uh-huh. and and then it had a beautiful pen drawing with it and we really liked it and then there was an audio interview also and he was such a weirdo like like the interviewer you know it's just these like ladies who work at the sperm bank and they're like so like tell us about yourself and he would just like go off on a crazy tangent about like particle physics and freak her out and then he'd be like you know what I mean and this this interviewer was just like okay uh well moving on and we were just like we love everything about this person oh my god that's amazing (laughs) yeah yeah wow wow yeah so with him, so with Goldie, we did IUI at like a at like a fertility clinic, and then with Birdie, we did IVF. And 
the reason, one of the main reasons we decided to have Birdie and do IVF are because Basil, my husband, got like a, a teaching job at like a SUNY, like a New York state, New York school. And we found out that they covered like fertility treatment. Wow. Oh my gosh. So we were like, well, we have to jump on that because he really wanted to quit that job. But we were like, well, we've, we'll never have this opportunity again. So we did reciprocal IVF where like he, it was a whole thing. He like went off tea, did all these egg retrievals at 40. So it was like, took a long time. And then I carried, then we like mixed it with the same donor. And then I carried Birdie also. Oh my God. I love that. Oh, I mean, I know that there's a, it's way more expensive and there's a possibility for all kinds of obstacles, but I just love the fucking different possibilities for having babies when you're queer. It's so so fun. It's like, oh my God, it's so cool. I love that you guys did that. That's really, really special. It was awesome. Yeah. We felt so lucky. Yeah, totally. And how great that you got that paid for. That's incredibly cool. Yeah. Did you like being pregnant? What was being pregnant like for you? I did not like it. Um, It was, I mean, I kind of liked it with my first pregnancy in that way of like, I can't believe what's happening to my body right now. This is so wild. Yeah. I mean, also I didn't have a kid. So I did a lot of like laying about, you know, and then with this last pregnancy, I don't know, like I was 40. I was like, my body hurt. Like it was only four years later, but I could really feel the difference in my body. And I was so fucking uncomfortable. I got gestational diabetes. So then all (gasps) of my treats that were like getting me through, I couldn't eat anymore. That's so awful. That is really tragic because eating is the whole point of being pregnant. I agree. I would get pregnant again just so I could eat. I totally understand. When I was pregnant the first time, like sometimes I would just like finish working and then just eat like 10 oranges for dinner or something. And like, I remember oranges were like the most delicious thing I'd ever tasted when I was pregnant the first time. And like, that's what I wanted to do the second time. But then I would have to like make my kid dinner and put her to bed and like, you know, it was so hard. Do you feel like you've become more psychic or more emotional or more existential or more more anything different since becoming a parent? I think I might be a little more – I mean, I'm definitely – I've always been existential, like, as just a baseline. That's sort of the lens through which I see the world and think about things. I feel like that's only heightened, like, just constantly thinking about – um like what we're doing here and like what the purpose of all of this is and my life and my my kids' lives and yes, mortality. Yes. All of that. Is this the big mom secret that like everybody's actually obsessed with death all the time, but like just like smiling and steaming the broccoli and like that time, but like thinking about death constantly. Like that's how I feel ever since I became a parent. And I'm like you, I I have had, you know, I'm a little bit of an existential person, you know, but it feels different in my body. It's a totally different level of, of it. I totally agree. I, yes. Like, I feel like when I used to think about death, which was not infrequently, I would be Mm -hmm. kind of like, like my obsession was 
will I be on my deathbed and like feel that I wasted my time here? And like that is an image I would haunt myself with to kind of push myself forward. And now I just, all I can think about is like, how young will I die? Like at whatever age could I die that will impact my children in a whatever kind of way? And it's like not even about my life at all. It's just about theirs, which is kind of liberating in a way, but it's also really scary. Yeah. It's liberating, but at the same time, it's like the worst because you have no control over it really, right? Whenever I hear about somebody having passed away, even like, you know, Ivanka Trump, I'm like, okay, so wait, she was 73. So, okay, if I live till I'm 73, that means my kid will be that. Okay, I guess that's not that bad. You know, like just always doing the math or like, you know. I do all kinds of crazy like psychic tricks about it, like bargaining, like, like, I'll just be like, okay, like, if I at least live until they're, like, 22, that's, like, a solid baseline of attachment and, like, you know, <laughs> or sometimes I do that, like, I'll do so much in my head by the time I bring it up, like, recently to Basil, I was like, you know, if I die young, like, I think that you should marry someone else and have like a really beautiful relationship and like, feel free to do that. And like, that person can be a co-parent, you know? And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, what is happening right now? And I was like, well, (laughs) this is how I have control. You're no, but you're being a good parent. You're being a good parent. You're like planning for your children's future (laughs) without me. (laughs) Without me. Oh, man. I have like a darker question even, but Ooh, like that? how often do you think about your son dying? Like does that show up as much or? It does not show up as much. Mm-hmm. I just, it yeah, it doesn't show up as much. I, I think about it sometimes. I'm such, I have a Sagittarius stellium. I'm such an optimist, you know, mm-hmm. it's really, even though I know that terrible things happen. I watch TV shows about them every day. You know, I, I read the news. I've had bad things happen in my own life. I'm I'm not ignorant, but it's still hard for me to really feel like something terrible is going to happen. It's it's like a delusional optimism it doesn't extend totally to feeling like it's fine. You're going to live to be a hundred. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not impossible. People do. I don't know that I'm of that stock. I could be. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. I'm kind of like I've done so many bad things to my body. Like, I've done so many bad things to my body. Yeah, and I still do some bad things. Like I finally stopped having occasional cigarettes, but then I start I tried to casually pick up and this is so shameful, but like jeweling, you know? Cuz I was like <laughs> that's better. Just as it's being outlawed <laughs> in the United States, you thought you'd take it up. Isn't it being outlawed? Yeah, but I took it up like a year ago and <laughs> Oh my god, I remember being in labor at a certain point and having the thought cross my mind like this would like this would be so much better if I could just have a cigarette like just oh my for, God. like one second <laughs> you were born in the wrong era when my mother gave birth to me in 1971 she did smoke when she was in labor in the nurse's office wow. in a rocking chair that was in her nurse's office she always talked about her big Irish nurse she had a big Irish nurse that had a red leather rocking chair in her office and my mother just sat there and smoked that doesn't that 
it's terrible, but doesn't that sound kind of amazing? I guess, I mean, I had a C-section and I didn't even okay. go into labor because it was taking so goddamn long and I just mm-hmm. was like, fine, forget it. We're about to move into Scorpio season, get this kid out of me. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what it even feels like to be in labor. So, okay. but I can imagine there are certain things like, you know, if I'm if I'm dying my hair, I really want a cigarette. Yeah. Like while all the chemicals are on my head, I want to just mm-hmm. like have a cigarette. So maybe having a baby is just one of those times that you just... <laughs> <laughs> really want I a think, cigarette. I think it's because, and like from an addicty place too, like it's such a peak experience, like being in labor. So yeah. there's just an addict thing that kicks in for me where it's like peak experience goes with cigarette. That's our episode. I hope we did not inspire you to pick up a nasty habit or justify any existing ones. But I also hope we inspired you to look at life at our faulty humanity with acceptance and compassion and love. My own inspiration for my introduction came in part from the Rebecca Brown short story, The Smokers, which can be found in her collection, The End of Youth, and I highly recommend it. I also highly recommend following Ellie Kremendahl on Twitter and Instagram. Her handle is Ellie Kremendahl, E-L-Y-K-R-E-I-M-E-N-D-H-L. She is freaking hilarious. Thanks for tuning into your magic. You can support us plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash this is your magic. Thank you to those who support us. Every dollar makes our work possible. You can also support us by buying one of our air, earth, water, or fire t-shirts or logo hats. Go to thisisyourmagic.com backslash shop to see all our merch. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thisisyourmagic and subscribe to our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com. Join us on Discord at the link in the show notes. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. You can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. Your magic is Ben Cooley, me, Michelle T, Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, Vera Blossom, and our production intern, Kirsten Osai-Bonzu. And our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening.